ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are privileged to be speaking with Mr. Anson Mount. Um, many of you are familiar with his work on from the five seasons of Hell on Wheels. Also, Star Trek fans are very familiar with uh, Mr. Mount's work, uh, uh, giving new life to the character uh, Captain Pike. Uh, Mr. Mount, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Oh, well, thank you for having me. D- delighted to talk to you. Yeah, good to be here. So, hi, Anson. This is Kristen, and I'm just thrilled to be uh, chatting with you tonight. Um, this is obviously a, a podcast that's very focused on science fiction. Um, I personally am a big fan of Hell on Wheels. So um, I thought we'd just kind of jump in. Our first question is, we definitely want to get to Star Trek. Um, however, many of the fans of Star Trek are also fans of Hell on Wheels like me. Uh, the question is, what or who was the inspiration that drew you um, and gave you life and gave Cullen Bohannon life? That's... <laughs> That's a multi-layered answer. Um, you know, the 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 character on on paper was uh, kind of inspired by a couple of different people. Hmm. Uh, there was Grenville Dodge, who was a uh, former Union officer who was um, chief engineer on the Union Pacific, and then there was also his foreman Jack Casement, and he's kind of a combination between those two guys for the writers but for myself you know i think the i don't think there's necessarily any one key to a character but my way in is it, it definitely helped being a southerner um oh, yeah. but yeah. it definitely it also helped growing up at the time that i did because um my father was a little older he fought in world war ii but a lot of my friends fathers fought in vietnam so there was a lot of um, – I didn't really understand what it was at the time. I just kind of thought that you know, everybody's father in the South was uh, quiet and introverted and uh, not to be crossed. Hmm. And maybe that – maybe Southern, being Southern <laughs> is, is a part of that. But I think that there's also a lot of PTSD, uh, undiagnosed PTSD hmm. at that time. And uh, there's certainly uh, – PSD, PTSD was an undiagnosed phenomenon in um, the 19th century. They call it shell shock, but it was very real. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that it was those were the primary things. Uh, read about those two men and just growing up around Southern men. Mm-hmm. I've often wondered after watching all five seasons if someday schools would use it as a part of a history lesson or that it would become a part of curriculum because it had drawn so much on the history of that time period. Um, although, of course, a, a fictional account. But, um, yeah, it's. do you ever think about that? Like, is that could that be something that, you know, 20, 30, 50 years from now, kids are listening to in school or watching in school? Well, slight point of order. I'm pretty sure it's six seasons. Um, oh, thank you. But we, we shot, we shot five full orders, but a lot of times what AMC does is they, they split the last order into two seasons. So, okay. Yeah. It was uh, a lot shorter. The last on one, right? What's that? The last season was pretty short. In comparison, yeah, the last two seasons were there was an order of fourteen. They split into seven and seven, mm. oh, but God. we but we we they were written as separate seasons. Got gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think that the one of the best things um, 
to come out of modern television and the streaming age is that suddenly these things have a shelf life. Mm-hmm. And that's affected th- that's a, that's a fa- that, that it has a couple of different effects. One, like you say, it's there and, and people are still discovering hell on wheels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear from people almost every day on either social media or in person or through friends that they they just now discovered hell on wheels. Uh, which I, th- I think is great, uh, particularly when you're proud of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there are some things in every actor's career that you don't want to be sticking around for. <laughs> but, <laughs> Makes sense. But uh, I'm glad that that one is. And it's also the other way that has affected um, our industry and in TV writing in, in a positive way is that because these things can now have a, sh- a shelf life, uh, the networks and the studios that are ordering these shows, they want them to have not just a beginning and a middle, but they actually want them to now have an end, which didn't what wasn't the case by and large before streaming. If you remember, shows would just get canceled. Right. Oh, yes. And now they're writing it with the end in mind. And, and, and Hell on Wheels is a perfect example because when it was greenlit, we all knew that the ending would be the, the driving of the golden spike. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. Wow. Well, we know, you know, many of our many of our listeners are very interested in science fiction, um, I think in part because it explores the human condition. Um, but I think there's also plenty of opportunity to explore the human condition on a show like Hell on Wheels. So what did you personally take with you after being on Hell on Wheels for those six seasons? Um, I, I, I think that it was serving as a lead actor on a show that ran for that long and also as producer that I got a, a much more insight into how the machine works. Hmm. You know, it's a, Mm -hmm. it's a really crazy spider web of, um, sometimes very ephemeral connections in this machine and how it works. And it takes doing it for a very long time. You know, I, I I tell younger actors that ask me about TV. I I think the, the best thing about TV as a young actor is it it gives you your 10,000 hours. Mm. <laughs> right, and it, it, mm-hmm. it does. It's a long, long time on the set, but it it gave me a much better working knowledge of of what makes the machine go. Just and really, just even little things like the difference between the energy that pulsates through the crew when you say good morning to everyone. Wow. Mm-hmm. Versus when you don't. It's is very palpable. Wow. There's a responsibility um, there, isn't there? Yeah. And you, you, you learn to lead by example. Hmm. Um, and you learn where your strengths are and your weaknesses are, and you, you learn when your voice is needed and more importantly, when it is not. Um, so that's all the nuts and bolts of what I took with me. But in terms of genre, you know, by and large, I I don't differentiate technically between genres that much. Um, I do have a, a love of the Western because I think it's the American genre. Mm-hmm. And I have a, mm-hmm. I've always had a love of sci-fi uh, because of all the medical f- metaphorical platforms, uh, science fiction, I think, does what you said best. Mm-hmm. Um, it really gives us a, 
uh, it gives us a, a, a platform that has a real distance from us to be able to discuss things in the abstract. And I think Star Trek does that as well as, as any show out there. And I always have. I grew up a fan, so I was delighted to be able to join that family. You kind of answered the, my next question, but but maybe there's more to add to it. So we Star Trek fans are known to be open, fair-minded people, even when we hear another actor is going to play one of our heroes from the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, my that remark was a little on a sarcastic tongue-in-cheek. The truth is when you get four different Star Trek fans in a room, you'll get five different opinions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, so what was it like for you when you heard you're going to be playing Captain Pike? You know, I, I didn't, I didn't know what the role, what they asked me, I, I, we'd been talking in the first season about Lorca and they, they hired Jason, which I thought was smart. And then they came back to me for this other captain that, that, that they called Captain Parker. <laughs> so, and they asked me if I'd put myself on tape and I said, sure. And I, I didn't really know, you know, I thought if anything, I thought it was a very uncreative name for a captain. Uh, and when they called me, they called up the next day and they said, not only you got it, but it's actually Captain Pike. And I, I didn't know if, I didn't know, I didn't know if, I didn't know if I should vomit or, or lay down or (laughs) jump. It's awesome. It was a lot of, I mean, it, it, I couldn't believe that it was me. Wow. Um, yeah, so I was very, very, very excited. I could tell when I first saw the trailer for season two and saw that Captain Pike was going to be a part of the cast and being temporary commander of the Discovery, I was very excited for that. I was really looking forward to seeing that when it when it aired. Yeah, I thought it was a I thought it was a great idea to inject some of the the classic in there. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, you know, being on social media, I can tell you that. People love your Captain Pike. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, so, oh my, yes. Um, but what did you do to prepare for the role of Captain Pike? I mean, we, we have, although he's a famous character and important Star Trek mythos, there's not a lot of Captain Pike on the screen, just the pilot and Bruce Greenwood's portrayal um, in the Kelvin Timeline movies. What inspiration did you draw on for uh, uh, to give life to Captain Pike? Well, like you say, there really wasn't a lot to draw on. Hmm. Um, I, I did know that, you know, Captain Pike was Gene Roddenberry's first vision of what a Starfleet captain should be. So I knew that he in some way had to be the embodiment of Starfleet code and conduct. And from the writing, I gathered that he probably had good parents and he definitely had good, good, uh, mentors. Um, and that was really about all I had to go with. Um, I really let the, the writers and the rest of the cast give me my cues. Um, it was a little daunting walking into a situation where other people had already found the boots of their character. But um, I've, I've learned that freaking out is not ever going to help me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or doubting myself mm-hmm. is never going to help me. Sure. So, you know, you just you do your homework. You come prepared. Um, on time, mm-hmm. uh, and you try to tell the truth, and that's about it. Well, it definitely it definitely worked, and it was definitely enjoyable watching him on screen. Uh, I'm still a fan of the. Oh, you're welcome. I'm still a fan of the original series Enterprise Bridge. However, I really love the new updated bridge that we saw in Discovery. You've had the opportunity to be on both bridges. What was it like for you to uh, step on them? Step in them? Yeah. I- 
Yeah, I, I well, I mean, when I, the first time I, I stepped on Discovery's Bridge, it was on a day I was just there doing a costume fitting and uh, got to sit in the chair, and that was incredible, <laughs> um, mind blowing. Um, and when they were when they decided to build the Enterprise, it was kind of a it was kind of a a, a, a you know it was sort of a semi secret spoken in whispers. Uh, the the studio they were building it in was locked off. Nobody could go in there. Oh wow! Uh, but they took me into the um, into the uh, art department, and they had um, you know these a lot of these architectural rendering programs now. They make a VR space, and they put the VR goggles on me so I could walk around the 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 new bridge of the Enterprise before it was ever built. Wow. And that was wow. really really cool. Um, <laughs> It was very exciting. Uh, it, I thought it was a great uh, mix of the classic and the new, um, and it was a joy to work on. Yeah, I agree. I mean, to me, as a fan, it look, you know, pays homage to what came before, but it also, at the same time, what it might look like in you know, with our mod, with our modern sensibilities and where we think technology is going. Um, uh, so, so. What's the working environment like on Discovery? I've heard on past Star Trek shows uh, they, they run it like a tight ship. Uh, was it like that on Discovery, or could you and the cast uh, have a little fun at times? Oh yeah, I mean the the ship is definitely tight in the sense that it is a it's it's the biggest machine I've ever, ever worked inside of, and that requires a lot of organization. But no, they though. Our, our leaders at CBS All Access and at Star Trek, uh, they they want us to enjoy our time. Uh, and I think that's why is that the work mm-hmm. is just better when you enjoy your workplace sure. environment. And uh, there's a lot of cutting up. And, and all, although the, I mean, we kind of have to because the hours are so long. We're trying to keep each other going. And um, that group of, of professionals, uh, speaking about the cast, are just um, – they're wonderful people to be around. Uh, the, you know, the bridge, the bridge days when we shoot all this, you know, when we shoot all the scenes in the bridge, um, those were grueling because, you know, it's so much coverage, you know, you got to turn that camera on all those people. Hmm. Uh, those are all different setups. Cause so those scenes take a very long time, but they're also the best days because we're all together. Um, and they were a lot of fun. Hmm. Cool. I think, I think something that we actually all have in common here is that you are also a podcaster. Um, that was curious to me as a star, a television star that, that you also have a podcast. So my first question is what does podcasting do for you that perhaps TV doesn't? And secondly, can you tell us a little bit about the podcast and how our listeners can get in touch and listen to it themselves? Sure. Well, you know, the, first of all, it's, it's something that if there's, you know, if there's one thing I know about myself, it's that I need to be churning out work all the time, uh, whether it's acting or it's writing or it's it just anything I have to be turning out creative work all the time in order to feel balanced. Hmm. And so the podcast is, has become sort of my way of not having to ask the question, okay, now what, 
Um, it's just something I immediately have to go and do. I have, I have an interview scheduled or I have something I have to edit or I've, you know, I need to go and record with my producing partner and, uh, he's my best friend. And it's also something that he and I can do that we are completely in charge of. There's nobody to answer to. Uh, I don't have to, you know, get notes from the network. I don't have to worry about what an entire team of writers thinks it's our gig. It's yeah, our there's logic to that. You, um, you have control over it. Yeah. And uh, it is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. If you want it to be good, it's a lot of it's a lot of work. Uh, we do a, a lot of editing, a lot of research, sometimes travel. But, you know, and we don't make a penny on it, <laughs> but sure. it's something that people <laughs> like. And that's that's payment enough. Uh, but the idea came out of um, just I I'd, I'd had an idea for a long time, even into my 30s when I. I didn't even know what medium it would it would fall under at the time, but I wanted to do something in which people are interviewed, but they don't get asked the same five fucking questions that they always get asked. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. the best way that I, I saw into the, and by the way, your questions have. <laughs> I just want to say that. Up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank but you so the, much. The, 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 the best way, the best way that I saw into uh, that was to interview people, not about the thing that we know they do, but about the thing that we didn't know that they do. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, so like we've got, um, I've got an, an interview up with Alice Cooper talking about his golf game. Um, I've got an interview with a one round from game of Thrones, uh, who turns out is an extraordinary songwriter. Uh, I've got an interview in the can I haven't put up yet with Cynthia Rowley talking about just surfing. Hmm. Um, and, uh, an upcoming interview with Eric Bogosian talking about sobriety. Um, and then, uh, we decided we didn't want to just interview celebrities, you know? Hmm. Um, oh, and Anthony Hopkins, uh, I did, I did an interview with him, uh, and I'm sort of half done with, I want to ask him about his, his composing, but hmm. yeah, we wanted to talk to, to more people that were just as interesting, but not necessarily celebrities. So, you know, we've got interviews with a biologist, a, a marine archaeologist, uh, the um, the football coach who did the greatest NCAA turnaround in history. Um, it's uh, it's a pretty wide swath of, mm-hmm. of people we've got on there, and it's all about uh, creative thinking, thinking outside the box. Love it. And uh, where can people find the uh, well when they go to look for it online? Well, uh, we're on all major platforms, you know, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. But uh, we, you can also just go to our website, thewellpod.com, and you'll find all the links there, all the episodes there, all the show notes there, um, and join our mailing list or just listen to the episodes. Uh, right now we're between seasons, but what we're doing is uh, we're doing a segment every now and then called The Drop, where we're just talking about um, different, uh, movies, books, TV shows, things that we're encountering this summer that are making us happy. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the sci-fi diner and uh, just chatting with us a little bit. It's been absolutely my pleasure okay. and good luck with your, your podcast. I, I mean, my hat's off to, to anybody who's reaching out, uh, to the world like this and inviting more people around their campfire. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's a good way of putting it. Did you want to say something? Anson, I just want to thank you for uh, giving us some of your time this evening. Uh, I had a chance to meet you at the last Shore Relief Convention, and uh, that's how we, we, we got connected. So, again, thank you so much for uh, allowing us to uh, just, just talk with you for a little bit. My pleasure. Yeah, that was a, that was a good convention, wasn't it? It was a lot yeah. of fun, yeah. <laughs> Hey, real quick. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Expect, I didn't expect it to be quite so intimate, but I really liked it because of that. Yeah, yeah. We, we've been going there for the last ten years. It's it. Yeah, it's, it's something I always look forward to every year. Yeah.